matters are once more tranquil on my podcast. Tranquil, but not good, Lord. The recording studio in front of the Ixian Embassy? It is being cleansed, Lord. Repairs already are underway. The voiceover booth? By morning, it will appear as it has always appeared. <laughs> to be fair, that one's the worst one. It's like right in front of the Ixian Embassy. They're always <laughs> up to shit. Right. Noise all the time. It's gotta be awful. <laughs> yeah. No good podcasts are being recorded in the Ixian Embassy. <laughs> that much we can tell you. Hey guys, welcome to Gamja Bar. We're, uh, oh god, this is not, oh, this is oh, terrible, this oh is terrible. <laughs> Let's go back to the fucking play lax <laughs> Welcome to Gamjabar, your guide to the iconic world of Dune. We'll be exploring the themes, philosophies, and characters found in the sandy depths of this vast universe, from Frank Herbert's groundbreaking novels to the adaptations on film and TV. My name's Abu. My name is Leo. And Leo. Yeah. Have you ever heard of this book, God Emperor of Dune? I have not. <laughs> What's it about? That's a tough one to explain. <laughs> <laughs> It's like a TED Talk meets National Geographic meets... Wow. What is the elevator pitch for God Emperor of Dune? <laughs> Who knows? Either way, we are back once again to dive deep into these pages of this incredible book. Yeah. But before we do, as always, some quick housekeeping, folks. Indeed. And first up, spoiler warning. Hey, None of them. <laughs> no spoilers. Mm -hmm. As long as you're caught up with the assigned reading, we are not going to talk about anything beyond the pages and books we've covered thus far. That's right. And of course, at the top of the show, a huge shout out to our Quizess Haderach level patrons, Case Aiken and Matthew Good. Mm. Gentlemen. Yeah. I would jump into the fray. Yeah. I would jump on stage with the fray. Whoa. If it meant <laughs> band. saving your life. <laughs> How to save a life? Is that the fray? <laughs> Is that the fray? I don't know. Wait, Googling Wait, it. Stand by. Stand How by, Casey and Matthew. Stand by. Life. How to save... Yeah, the fray. The fray. <laughs> Holy yeah. shit! <laughs> wow. That is a bit on so many levels. Case, Matthew, I would do it for you. Thank you for your generosity. It's the least I can do is jump Stop on stage. You say we need to uh -huh. talk. <laughs> I don't remember the words of that song at all. It's a great Thank song. you so much, gentlemen. <laughs> of course, that gratitude extends to all of our patrons and, in fact, all of our listeners who help make Indeed. this show possible. We couldn't do it without you. Very true. Now, with that out of the way, y'all know the game plan for today's episode. We are going to begin with a summary of today's chapters, then we're going to dive into a couple of takeaways, and finally, we'll wrap up with some oh-so-yummy, oh-so-delicious mm. spice morsels. <laughs> <laughs> but before we do that, we're going to take a quick break. So don't go anywhere. When we're back, we're talking about the chapters. Welcome back, folks. Let's get into today's reading, starting with chapter 29. Indeed. So our first chapter today begins with Antioch, 
who is writing a report to the Bene Gesserit before she heads out on her secret mission to Ix for the God Emperor. And the main purpose of this report is to recount a meeting with Hui Nori that she just had, from whom she learned some very dramatic news. <laughs> yeah. Namely, quote, You must know at the outset that I will wed the Lord Leto. End quote, <laughs> drop, mic, walk out of the room. Yeah. Hui really knows how to make an entrance. She really knows how to like start it off right. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So that's how the conversation started. This truly catches Antioch off guard. It takes all of her Bene Gesserit training to maintain her composure. And Hui immediately makes her promise not to tell anyone, not even the sisterhood. Hui says that the announcement will be made public when the time is right. The time is not right right now. Right. And the gravity of this isn't lost on Antioch, right? Leto is trusting her through Hui Nori with this massive secret and trusting her not to tell the sisterhood, trusting her not to leak it to the press, to WikiLeaks, to whoever. Antioch realizes that is a huge olive branch being extended by Leto. Yeah. yeah. And she wonders what it could mean, right? Because Leto is always playing 4D chess. So what does it mean when he's being too nice to you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Suspicious. 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 <laughs> now, he also reveals that even the Ixians, her own people, her own bosses, have not yet been told. And this makes it very clear to Antioch and to us as the reader where Hui's loyalties now fall, right? She even boldly states, my loyalty is to the truth, Reverend Mother, not to the Ixians. Yeah. Now, Antioch asks Hui a pretty important question. She asks her, have you considered the consequences of this, you know, this whole marriage? <laughs> Not only what it means for you, but what it means for the god emperor himself, right? Like, is this not going to affect his godhood? Isn't yeah. marriage just a normal thing that normal people do? Not necessarily a thing that gods do, in particular worm gods? <laughs> and this is obviously very Benny Gesserit thinking, right? She is instantly jumping to the implications, to the religious fallout, and the possibilities that this may have across the empire culturally spiritually and she even sort of jumps to her own conclusion she assumes that leto must be doing this because he wants to evolve his religion evolve his godhood evolve his image in some way quote he is changing the design of his religion that's it of course end quote yeah and we kind of shuts down this line of thinking immediately. She claps back against the Reverend Mother and tells her that she shouldn't view every decision the God Emperor makes through the lens of the Bene Gesserit, right? That's too limiting. You can't just yeah. look at the world only through the way your organization thinks. Yeah. Maybe he's in love. Maybe he's <laughs> in love. Come on. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, damn. Like, everything doesn't have to be some sort of religious or political ploy. Yeah. Our guy just has a massive crush on a girl. Yeah, look at Hui. She's lovely. <laughs> this toy lacks abomination. Genocidal. Lovely. Lovely. 
Luminous brown hair. <laughs> luminous. So luminous. Put on sunglasses. <laughs> now, before this argument can kind of go any further, Hui's not interested in like a tit-for-tat argument over Leto's intentions. She cuts it short and basically says, I'm here on business. Let's just get to it. Leto told me to tell you everything about my birth, where I was raised, all of the details of it, so that you are prepared on your mission to X. Right. And so that's what he does before departing. The chapter ends as Antioch is reflecting back on this meeting and as she is finishing up her report to the Bene Gesserit. And she realizes, slash computes, because remember, she's a Mentat, that she has probably been entrusted with this special mission to Ix for a very particular reason. Quote, The god emperor did not trust this knowledge to his fish speakers. He did not want fish speakers suspecting a weakness in their lord. End quote. Yeah. Which is a really interesting conclusion, because I, for one, think there is a kernel of truth there. Send someone like Antioch, someone who needs to be in your good graces because they tried a whole fucking spice essence trick a couple of days ago. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Send them on this super secret mission to go investigate a thing that might actually block your prescience instead of your fish speakers who think you are all knowing, all seeing, and a god. Right. But Antioch also recognizes that maybe this is just Leto testing the Bene Gesserit through Antioch, maybe testing Antioch's loyalty, testing the sisterhood's loyalty after the assassination attempt. Who knows? Maybe he is actually prescient and knows exactly what she is about to go discover on Ix, and this is just Leto pulling the strings again. She recognizes that the God Emperor is always playing 4D chess, and there are always plans within plans, wheels right, within right. wheels, as she puts it in the chapter here. And that's where the chapter ends. Antioch has been given some major news by Hui. She chooses to keep it a secret, and she has been given a lot to think about about her mission, about the God Emperor, and about Hui Nori and her own place in all of the scheming. I also think, like, stepping back, Leto banned Mentat training. But then, like, knowing that the Bene Gesserit are training some of their sisters as Mentats doesn't really bother him. Like, it's not mm -hmm. super significant. Right. I think for him, we know very clearly in Dune that Mentats, given bad data, come to bad conclusions. I think he is just knows exactly what she's going to deduce and compute. Oh. And it's just like giving her exactly the bits of data he needs for her to be fully in his pocket. Right. And, you know, again, respecting her abilities. I don't get the impression that he's necessarily looking down on her, but she's like, oh, yeah, I'm definitely going to keep the secret because he's keeping this a secret from his fish because he doesn't trust. He doesn't. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> sure. Right. right. There's yeah. definitely a sense throughout this chapter that Antioch is maybe overthinking things a bit. <laughs> <laughs> Classic Mentat. But again, like when you're in a very abusive relationship with the God Emperor like that, <laughs> yeah, you're going to be overthinking every little thing, right? He's, yeah. Is he being too nice because he's being too, or is he going to be mean if I do this? You know, like there's definitely like a bit of abusive power dynamic here when it yeah. comes to Antioch and Lord Leto. Leto's like, I made you toast. You're like, is this part of the uh, golden bath? Well, what, if what I don't eat this, is it, what does it mean? <laughs> is it poison? Is no, there an image poison. on the toast? Who is, is there that? An image on the toast? Oh my god, <laughs> it's Javier Bardem. 
<laughs> Why? What does it mean? Leto's like, this is hilarious. <laughs> yeah, he's literally like, oh, whoops, I, I think I burned it a little. And that doesn't look like Javier Bardem at Moneo all. Moneo made the toast. <laughs> I didn't even look at it. For sure, for sure. That's a good point. Well, <laughs> well that carries us to chapter 30. And our second chapter today is fucking crazy. <laughs> it's one of those chapters, you know, after 19 business meetings yeah. and a couple of TED Talks and uh -huh. just these like very slow and steady things, reading that the streets are lubricated with blood yep. is like, oh, it's so visceral. Yes. It kind of reminds me, this is a little bit weird, reminds me of like the Paranormal Activity movie, the first one, mm. where like nothing happens for like 45 minutes and then the first thing that happens is so crazy compared right. to the 45 minutes of nothing happening that you've become like hypersensitive to it yeah because i remember the first time reading this chapter and being like kind of upset like holy shit so much just happened yes i'm totally. not used to it <laughs> yeah it's not zero to 60 it's zero and 60 <laughs> yeah, right there's, there's no, no ramp up there's not like <laughs> it's either you're in a business meeting hearing Leto give you a TED talk or the streets are running with blood and the God Emperor is fucking flopping around and bodies are being crushed. Leto used tackle. Leto used tackle. Leto used yeah, yeah, yeah. Always super effective. Yeah. <laughs> it's always super effective. He's huge. The chapter begins and it's crazy. The Ixian embassy in the city of Ahon is under attack. Uh oh. Explosions. And in a moment of fury, Leto orders his fish speakers wipe out every single face dancer <laughs> kill them all you know those ones that i spared earlier that like told moneo about who his origins and everything fuck it all of them yep. dead go kill them uh-huh and he immediately regrets <laughs> the order he's like wait that was kind of intense oh no uh and he's kind of reflective and fascinated by the fact that he had such an emotional outburst right. that he let his emotions guide his command yeah so directly yeah I, I loved this this little quote quote it had been so long since he had felt even mild anger frustration irritation these had been his limits but now at a threat to hui nari fury fury end quote fury uh, oh gosh the power of love the power of love folks he's just so he loves her. Yep. And the idea of her being in danger, he's like, kill everything. Right. Everyone. Right. Yeah. Those innocent children, kill them. I mean, we all <laughs> remember what puberty was like when the hormones were firing <laughs> off. Yeah. I gave a number of kill everything <laughs> orders in my teens <laughs> that I also regretted, but you live and you learn, you know? Indeed. Now, unfortunately for the attackers, our boy Leto, he has been resting in his Pokeball for so, so, so long. Uh-huh. And he is ready to bust out his <laughs> maximum of four different moves because Leto himself, he drives his cart without even thinking about it, drives it and like spills himself into the battle. Yeah. <laughs> it, like yeah. the way it's described, I'm like, this is not a graceful maneuver. No, not at all. This is dumping yourself like full send, throwing yourself heels overhead right. into a right. fist fight crushing bodies damaging the cart you know like the one of the suspensors yeah. gets damaged he's like thrown from the cart this is all instinct yeah and 
amid the chaos, he's getting shot by laser guns. Yeah. It's crazy. I mean, he's getting shot from all directions. And he mentions, I always love these little details of how his body regulates that heat. Yeah. It like takes in the heat and then gulches out hot air right. or whatever. I mean, it kind of sounded like he farted mid-battle, but you know, <laughs> that was the image in my mind. <laughs> That's a lot less intense. Just <laughs> the attackers, the attackers are, are just like... dying because of the oh, oh god, god. <laughs> oh my god oh, get the gas mask eat? the gas mask isn't working <laughs> oh it's so much <laughs> shoot him more <laughs> no stop shooting him oh my god <laughs> that's a very different battle scene than i was expecting yeah but it's true he's getting shot from all sides he feels it as like tickles it's not really hurting him but he does kind of like hide his sensitive vulnerable bits inside his cowl he kind yep. of tucks and rolls right and then just full thrashes <laughs> it's like full thrashing wildly against his attackers and it's interesting to me also that the thing that is hurting him the thing that is hurting him the most is the blood is like the water in the blood right right is like causing him that kind of water agony totally that his body hates and as the fish speakers kind of clean up the survivors it's not a long fight he kind of maneuvers away from the battlefield in agony thinking about this room this special chamber that he had constructed for himself which is quote a room where blasts of superheated dry air would cleanse and restore him end quote nice so he's got a little what are the ones in a, a back to tank He's got like uh, yes, he's got a back to tank. I was imagining like those hand dryers in bathrooms, just like, <laughs> but like just a bunch of those. Yeah, yeah, just so so unhygienic. <laughs> <laughs> just blowing bathroom air on your hands. Yeah, very good. Yes, so back to tank, one of those hand dryers, <laughs> airport bathroom, and as he's on his way, he orders Fui Nuri to be brought to him. He also right. asks about, like, where's my Duncan? Just kind of a sweet little moment. And after drying off in this chamber, he's reflecting on the attack and comes to the conclusion that he basically already knows who's behind the violence. Like, who knows enough to do what was done? And the answer may surprise you. <laughs> Maybe. It's his old friend and the former Ixian ambassador, Malky. That rogue. That ne'er-do-well. That slime bastard. Malky. Malky. But it's also funny because, you know, thinking back on Malky's personality, he is the sort of person to, like, betray you with a smile. Like, oh, he's absolutely. kind of an asshole. Absolutely. <laughs> so, like, when I read that, I was like, oh, uh, yeah, okay, yeah, that tracks. Mm, okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. He was in my top five candidates for sure, you know. like <laughs> Yeah. Four, top, the four of the top five were Duncans. And then the fifth was Malky. <laughs> <laughs> and with that kind of computation, we'll call it gently, he has a fish speaker deliver a new message to Antioch. Quote, Malky is to be brought here to me or executed, oh. whichever our commander finds necessary. End quote. Damn. <laughs> Which is just, that's a cold line. Like, bring him to me. Or, or kill him. <laughs> yeah, or just kill him. Like, either way. Fucking, yeah. you, you decide. And again, this feels like an emotional outburst. Yes. Perhaps an order he would not have given if Hui was not involved. Absolutely. He also checks in with Nayla, 
and is informed that Siona was not involved at all with this attack on this embassy, which is good because as much as he likes rebels, I imagine if a rebel threatened Twee... (laughs) Game over. That might, <laughs> game over for the rebel. <laughs> yes. <laughs> He'd be like, bring Siona or kill her. I, I don't know. Right, right. She's super important, but uh, you can kill her if you want. <laughs> <laughs> right. Totally. Now, next up in his series of calls, he calls the commander of the plaza forces a Bashar named Nishe for a status update on tonight's events. And Nishe informs Leto that the mess in front of the embassy is being cleaned up and that, quote, by morning, it will appear as it has always appeared, end quote. Brilliant. Pretty sweet. Yeah. Pretty this, great. This reminds me of the assassination attempt on the road to own, yeah. right? Got to replace it, make it look like nothing happened. We can leave exactly. no evidence that the God Emperor was ever in danger. It really seems like standard operating procedure is sure. like maintain the illusion, the belief, the like widespread belief that nothing can threaten or damage Leto in any meaningful way. Totally. Now, during his conversation, he realizes that his direct involvement, getting Mm -hmm. bloody himself, throwing himself into the fight and doing what he did, yes, it was emotional, possibly put him in danger. It also creates a kind of problematic dependency in his fish speakers. Yeah. His guard, this like elite team, this group of women, this army, they now know that he himself will join them on the battlefield if certain conditions are met. Right. And the result of this is, quote, she would no longer act with complete independence, taking her power from the god emperor and being personally responsible for the use of that power, end quote. Yeah, I loved that. So he's like, oh, I downgraded them by directly involving myself. Yeah. And this really makes me think of his conversation with Moneo, where he says, I am humanity's parent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because as a parent, there is a level of independence that you have to give to your children, right? As they grow older, as they slowly make their way out into the world. If they always know mom and dad are only a call away, I can make no mistakes because the safety net is incredibly safe they will be weakened in a sense. They will be less resilient to what life throws at them in the same way that the fish speakers now, having seen Leto jump into the fight and slaughter people himself, know that there is a backup plan. Before this, they knew we are the end-all be-all. We are the backup plan. There's no one coming to save us. Now they know that someone is there to save them and that weakens them. You heard them, folks. Cut your children off early. (laughs) Early? Five, six years old, kick them out. Throw them out to the wild. Yeah, wolves. If you can find them, good adversity <laughs> for kids. <laughs> no, it's a good point, and I also think about what he said about administrators. Right, it's a matter of five heartbeats. It's a matter of time and delay. And I imagine now being a fish speaker, even being a Bashar, a fucking commander. Yeah. I'm on the battlefield, and I might pause and think, "Is Leto coming? Right. Should I account for the presence of the Lord? Yeah. Or should I just progress and make decisions as if he's not here? Right, right. And that hesitation could be devastating. Absolutely. He is someone who is very careful with the way that he equips people moving forward. And also, he's demilitarizing fish speakers. Think about also what this means for they've seen their lord do what they do. I don't know. It almost tightens their camaraderie with him, which might be a problem as well. 
there's a lot of different angles to this right that he's considering totally nevertheless at the end of their conversation with niche leto expresses his pleasure in her hard work and offers her any award Ooh. it's also kind of a thing he keeps doing yeah name anything and she asks for <laughs> some paid time off hello girl same don't we all damn <laughs> yeah Bro, Nishé is so relatable in this moment. <laughs> yeah, Nishé is all of us. She's like, I want a break. And I want some, <laughs> you know, I just want to. And she actually wants to go visit family on Seleucus Secundus. Yeah. Which is cool. So Nishé maybe has some Carino blood. She's from their neck of the woods. It's mm -hmm. pretty cool. Mm -hmm. Well, finally, Hui enters the audience chamber, distraught by tonight's attacks, naturally, but worried about Leto. Which, yeah. again... She's just so... So sweet. So she's empathetic. She's so sweet. She's so empathetic. She's like, are you okay? You got shot a lot. I heard a lot of farting. <laughs> <laughs> are you fine? Is your tummy okay? <laughs> I brought some ginger ale. I brought some ginger ale and some 7-Up and milk, right? <laughs> yeah, that's... Yeah. Wow. I'm proud of you for remembering that. My <laughs> grandma's good. technique I'm... for fixing all ailments. I didn't want to remember this. It's burned <laughs> in my subconscious forever. Now, Leto reveals to her that the embassy attack was because of how much he cares for her. Yeah. Which, in my opinion, is like one of the biggest indicators that it has to be Malky. Because like only the Ixians really know that she is so perfectly designed for him. Everyone else is like, she's just an ambassador, right? right. We don't have any public announcements of their engagement Completely. or anything like that. Yep. And all of these moments between them are private. So it's like, it's basically got to be the Ixians who are like, we know he loves her because yes. that's the trap we laid for him. 100%. And because of this, Leto offers her kind of a sweet gesture. He's like, hey, you were targeted tonight and nearly killed because I care about you. And this is probably going to keep happening. So marriage, you said yes. Do you want to go back on that? Do you want to yeah. back out? Do you want to back out of the wedding? Do you want to yeah. find safety somewhere? We can send you to Tapil, right? Right. Now, if we, of course, you fucking could have called this. <laughs> you don't have to be a betting person <laughs> to call this. Answers in a very compassionate way. Quote, then I will stay, she said. We will take such pleasure as we can from being together. I think it is best that we do this. If it means we should wed, so be it. End quote. Wow. Yeah. Straight to the heart. Ugh. Straight to the heart. She's just, she knows what to say. And she says it earnestly. She's honest. Yeah. yeah. She's like, all right. It's kind of a cavalier way of dealing with marriage. But I guess when you're dealing with a literal deity, <laughs> it's going to be not your hallmark moments yeah, that you're used to. Definitely. Now, Leto is torn by how much he loves her, kind of between how much he loves her and and then also how much he doesn't want to put her in danger. And he recognizes that that intense love is exactly the weapon his enemies intend to use against him. Right. Like, that is the trap. It's the same thing that basically put Paul in front of hate, the Gola, who could have very much killed him in that moment, if not for the <laughs> very unexpected turn of events of him awakening. Because <laughs> you also think about if that hadn't happened, he just would have killed Paul. Right. And it would be a very different book series. Totally. So again, he fell in love with we. If that hadn't happened, things would have been very different. Right. 
and actually taking a step back he recognizes the potency of the weapon in a way that is actually a little bit surprising quote the aching pulse within him had to be calmed in itself it was a danger to him and to the golden path end quote hello so we know now in no uncertain terms that the golden path is the only situation in which humanity doesn't end like the yeah. stream doesn't end the bubbles keep arising from under the waterfall etc etc right this aching pulse of love for hui nari and the anger about her being threatened and everything that's been stirred up because of her being introduced to his life is a danger not only to him but also to the golden path right is crazy huge now despite her love for him Hui is still unsure if marriage is the right choice. Isn't this going to weaken Leto's godhood? Right. Kind of bringing up the conversation that Antioch had with her earlier. Yeah. And Leto reiterates that this is what he wants, and this is what is necessary for his golden path, even if it means destroying his godhood and reputation. It is easy to make the mistake of seeing his godhood and his reputation as something that has like value in and of itself, but for Leto, it is purely a means to the end of the golden path. He's yep. like, so I will become a god, sure. And it's always been that. And even when he is leaning into his Sihanouk ceremony and he's right. being a little kind of like, no, do you actually fucking love this? I feel like you maybe kind of love this. Yeah. Even in those moments, I think he has a pretty clear head about all of this. And he explains that despite what may happen in the near future, a long time from now, his journals will be discovered and, quote, people will learn that I was something quite different from what they supposed, end quote, hmm. which is interesting. And right. we talked again about his resurrections in the last episode. Yes. People will find these things and certain elements of his being, his intents, his purposes will be resurrected. Right. And once again, Hui Nuri being a 10 out of 10 smart cookie. Yes. Sees to the core of the truth. She sees the kernel amid the cornfield. <laughs> <laughs> Quote, you are neither devil nor God, but something never seen before and never to be seen again because your presence removes the need. End quote. Wow. Which fucking bangs. What a bar. <laughs> what a bar. Incredible. That's so dope. Yeah. And that line, gosh, there's so many layers to that one line, right? Yeah. You are neither devil nor God. The labels that will be attached to him are not true and can't encapsulate him fully. You are something that has never been and won't ever be again because you prevent it, right? His whole purpose is to prevent charismatic leaders, messiahs, tyrants, and to teach humanity this lesson by being the worst example of it ever. And Hui sees right to the core there, like you said, right to the kernel in the wheat field or whatever, whatever <laughs> what image I, you painted for us. <laughs> the idiom I tried to make up. Yeah, it's like Moneo didn't understand, was a rebel until he saw the golden path. Right. We've kind of been told or implied. And that was through the way he was tested. Yep. It seems to me in this phrase that Hui, in a way that really only like Moneo and a few other people who are mostly Atreides understands the shape of the golden path. And it's like, Oh yeah, I get it. Like yeah. 
what you are will never be seen again because of the shape of the golden path and because yep. of the nature of what you're doing, which is like a crazy prescient level acknowledgement. Right. Which I think just, again, speaks to her perceptiveness and how smart she is and how she's putting things together. In a way totally. Totally. Very impressive. Yeah. And I think she understands it more than someone like Moneo. Yes. And especially more than someone like Nayla, right? Nayla <laughs> yeah, maybe yeah. has been told, uh-oh, humanity is going to die. I am God. I'll save us. And that's about as far as her understanding goes. And then there's like another level, which is like Duncan, just like, I am Atreides. I am now a God. I need you to help me save humanity. And that's kind of where Duncan <laughs> gets lost in the sauce. Moneo yeah. maybe understands some larger political historical context, but Again, we know he doesn't partake in spice. He doesn't know these visions of the future. So he doesn't have a super clear picture. And he often questions why Leto's doing something. Hui, the more time she spends with Leto and the more conversations we witness between the two, is very quickly picking up on the inner workings of Leto's mind. I would say even more so than his other close advisors. And even that is probably very intentional by the Ixians and is probably very attractive to Leto. <laughs> yeah. That is really hot, he said <laughs> in his hot room chamber. <laughs> yes, indeed. Well, our chapter ends on a conversation about sainthood and Siona, which is huge, and that's why we're going to talk about it in our takeaways. <laughs> that's right. So that wraps up our second chapter today. We are going to take a quick break, yes. quick breather. We got all that blood to clean up so that it looked <laughs> as though it's always looked. Indeed. But don't go anywhere. When we're back, we've got our key takeaways right after this. Welcome back, folks. Mm. Now that we have completed our chapter summaries, let's dive a little deeper into our takeaways, emphasizing how significant some of these are and digging a little deeper into the hows and whys and the ripple effects right. that we're witnessing. To begin with, we have his furious command to the fish speakers to wipe out every face dancer in the city. Hui Nori is in danger. <laughs> yeah. Wipe out anyone who could put her in danger. Right. And again, this is a command that he immediately regrets. And spends like the entire rest of the chapter trying to pull back on. He keeps trying to like radio people and send out messages to like, stop, stop, stop. Actually, wait, don't kill them all. Don't kill them all. Save some of them. <laughs> and what I find interesting here is this made me think back to an earlier conversation he had with Hui Nori, where she was like, you, those dirty fucking Tleilaxu, you're God. Why haven't you just wiped them out yet? Yeah. And Leto stops her and he says, no, 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 no. Even specialists have their uses. I'm not just going to willy-nilly wipe anyone out. I thought about it with the Bene Gesserit, but, you know, I haven't done it yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And here we see the flip side of that. Without a moment's thought, he's like, yeah, no, no, wipe out the Tleilaxu, wipe out the face dancers, clean the slate here, right? Yeah. And we even find out later in the chapter that it's a bloodbath. Like, the fish speakers go fucking ham, and not yeah. only do they start wiping out face dancers, but they just... Wipe out regular people who were suspected face dancers. Whoops. Right. And in a larger sense, this really speaks to Leto's loss of emotional control here. Throughout the entire book, we're told that Leto is always 
in control of his emotions. And in fact, he is so in control of them and he's so inhuman about them that he alone is able to make the necessary long, 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 long-term decisions, even if it means short-term discomfort. And again, short-term is relative in the life of Leto, the God Emperor. Think about his worm body transformation that's been happening for thousands of years. That's a blip in the context of his golden path, which saves humanity forever. Right. So he is willing to make that short-term sacrifice to become a worm god for three to 4,000 years in order to save humanity forever. That takes quite a bit of discipline and self-control and emotional maturity, I would say. But then, of course, in today's reading, as soon as Hui Nori is maybe possibly in danger, mm-hmm. he reacts entirely based on emotion in order to save her life. And so he flips that equation. Now he is addressing the short-term discomfort of Hui may die in the next few moments versus the long-term consequences of, whoops, if I jump into the fray, <laughs> yeah, that's going to fuck up my fish speakers and it's going to take me another hundred years to reprogram them to not be dependent on me, you know? Right, right. Long-term versus short-term. Now, hilariously, he even makes this very same point about long-term, short-term to Hui later in the chapter when they're talking, and he dunks on the immaturity of instant gratification. Quote, All gods have this problem, Hui. In the perception of deeper needs, I must often ignore immediate ones. Not addressing immediate needs is an offense to the young. End quote. (laughs) Yeah. And that sounds like a dunk. And it is on many levels. You know, it's very boomer energy of just like back in my day. But he has a point. Like he has always had to look at the longer tail equation. And he's often had to ignore sort of the immediate comforts that a normal human person might seek. Unless Hui Nori is in danger, as we saw in the chapter today. So it turns out love is blind. No matter how old you are, Leto, all right, buddy? Once you're in love, you'll do anything it takes. Yeah. And again, he is still, in many ways, a child. Like, it's so hard to get a gauge on Leto's life, but this is like the first time that he's in love with a person. Yes. Who isn't like family, right? Ganema was a kind of love. Yeah. But yeah. yeah, absolutely. And there was Sabiha back in Fondak. That's right. right. In Jakarudu. Yeah. But otherwise... I almost feel like Leto is, and actually accented by his observations in Children of Dune, where he's talking about no matter how many memories of like master Balisset players he has access to, that doesn't make him a master Balisset player. Right. He's still clumsy on the strings. And here we see him being clumsy in love. Yeah. Making these like emotional decisions. So true. And it's kind of the first time that we know of it happening because we're told quite a bit about the 3000 years. And no one mentions him being in love with anybody. And even him, he's going, holy shit, this person's perfect. Right. Wow. <laughs> Dang. Very how do true. I, how do I go back on this wormy body? <laughs> so it really is sort of sweet in that way that we have this omniscient person who has more human experience than anybody else. And he's like witnessing the emotional turmoil of love. Yeah. Great point. And speaking of kind of consequences and making those brash early love decisions Uh who hasn't thrown themselves into a battle (laughs) flopping their massive bodies onto the 
quickly broken and popped bodies of assassins and yeah. would-be ne'er-do-wells. Uh-huh, same. Done it so many times. You know, put my <laughs> flippers in danger, gotten shot with lasers, farted a lot. <laughs> but the bloody scene of him throwing himself into those face dancer assassins and everything that was happening that night reveals to us this kind of long rumored fact about the god emperor that water is deadly to him yeah. just like it was for the ancient sandworms of the desert yeah and we got hints of this moneo knows that moisture in the air is triggering for him and we know that he is protecting his surreal for that purpose partially and yeah. has like weather control satellites that he's keeping up and there's all these little signs of that being the case but here we see literally this moment quote his flailing body slipped and slithered in it the water igniting blue smoke from every flexian piece where it slipped through the sand trout skin this filled him with water agony which ignited more violence in the great flailing body end quote yeah blue smoke Literally, Wicked Witch of the West. Yes. I'm noticing. And it's smoking. And right. it's like, wow, blue smoke yeah. is it's coming off of his giant body. Yeah. yeah. And the question with Leto is always like, not is he weak to a thing, but how weak, right? Right. Like, could a laser gun kill him? <laughs> his flipper, he's like, ow. Oh, right. God, okay. Mm, right. That hurt. And the Benny Gesserit even earlier in the book, maybe we can kill him with spice essence? I don't know. Like... Is he resistant? Could we get him with this? Who knows? Yeah. It's the same with water throughout the book. Like we've had these hints that like, oh, it annoys him. It agitates him. It's this, it's that. Moisture is blah, blah, blah. Here, I think we get a very clear answer. Oh no, water is like capital D deadly. Like water agony. He's literally fucking like wicked witch of the West, like fumes (laughs) coming out of him. This I think is definitive proof that water is a weapon that could be used against the God Emperor in enough quantities, you know? Yeah. And he has a no smoking policy in that plaza. So that's even more offensive. <laughs> yeah. It's like, wow, Ugh. hypocrite. <laughs> yeah. Check the sign. Hey, Damn. La- Leto, Leto, look at the sign. No smoking, sir. Ugh. Was he even 15 feet from the building or? <laughs> I think he was closer. <laughs> so rude. <laughs> a fish speaker with a smoking habit. It's like, oh, come on. <laughs> I got I a got citation like, for that last week. What? And here, oh, typical boss <laughs> not following the rules. Now, the agony of smoking in the plaza, <laughs> the water agony, is so overwhelming for Leto. In fact, that he can't even focus his mind enough to make a prescient sweep Oof. to check on Hui or to give wow. commands to fish speakers in the city. Yeah. Like, he is blinded. And unable to use his powers because of how much pain he's in. Yeah. Which again, to your point, it's like, how weak is he? If this not only hurts him and does damage to his body, but also like cuts off his powers. Yeah. It's like, oh shit. This really is the silver bullet. Like this is the thing that really poses the most risk for him. Yeah. Yeah. Really, this is like the silver bullet. Yes. It's not until Leto gets to his secret chamber and dries off that he's able to clear his head and think back on the attack. And again, this is shocking. This is shocking to hear from someone who we think of as basically being impervious. Yeah. Quote, I could have died out there, he thought. 
That began to explain why he had not anticipated the attack. Oh. Yeah. Big. We know that Leto has never looked at the moment of his death. He's never looked at that moment, partially because he wants the surprise, but also I get the impression because it's very important whatever happens, happens. And if he knows about it, like imagine a situation in which his death would also mean the death of Hui Nuri. Right. He'd be like, fuck my death. <laughs> She's surviving, you know? Exactly, and like, yeah. Or even just animalistic instinct. Like, he right, may be able right, to control right. his emotions. He may be able to have Benny Gesserit control of blah, 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 you know? Totally. But at the end of the day, like, every living being is wired down to their very yeah. core to not die, to do everything to not die. And so right, right. that would be too risky for him to look in his prescient visions and see how he will die. Because he would even subconsciously or instinctively constantly be doing everything to stop that from happening. It's kind of implied. Moneo knows that telling him certain things can heighten the chance of the worm coming out. So we know that what Leto is thinking about and how he's feeling can affect whether or not the worm takes over. Yeah. And if he had mixed feelings about dying at a certain time, you're right. Not only would his body be able to then like maybe react to it more immediately, but also maybe if he's thinking about all this shit that's not going to get done or whatever, maybe it would potentially mess yeah. it up. So anyway. It's a really revealing point for sure. And it also is then revealing he's like, oh shit, maybe that was it. Like I could have died because I didn't see that happening. It's interesting. It sort of highlights the fact that he has these blind spots that he has never looked at mm -hmm. and will catch him off guard. And it's a little hard to draw those lines in the sand of like what is something that he hasn't seen and what isn't. Right. You know, why didn't he look at the events of this night? Was there some flag, some like hashtag of the prescient <laughs> vision? Hashtag don't. Okay. Hmm, I, okay. Not, I won't, I'll, yeah. I'll leave that door closed. It says do not enter. <laughs> do not enter okay. Okay. I mean I set it up that way so. <laughs> so yeah all very very fascinating and crazy to think that he really actually could have died yeah, in this moment for sure now the final emotional reaction that we wanted to touch on for this takeaway is <laughs> yeah. honestly kind of a funny one I chuckled when yeah, I got to I like this it. point <laughs> he yeah. immediately promotes this guard that runs up to him and lets him know that Hui is safe. Just on the <laughs> spot is like, you're yeah. fucking promoted. Yeah. Buy yourself a fucking yacht. <laughs> you're going to Maui. <laughs> well, what's your salary? Don't tell me. It's now five times that. Triple it. Quadruple. Five times. Five times it. <laughs> Quintuple it? Yeah. And this is such an in-the-moment emotional reaction from him that... After it takes place, after the guard like rushes <laughs> off to make sure Hui is safe. And to buy her yacht, yeah. And to buy the yacht. <laughs> Leto literally is like, oh, fuck, I forgot to even ask her name. <laughs> Who did I you, just promote? You. I have no idea. <laughs> Here's a brick of cocaine. Good job. <laughs> Who did I give that to? <laughs> oh, yeah. No. I mean, luckily for our guy, he like probably knows everyone in his service or he can just quickly tap into his prescience. And he does figure out the name. Quote, it took a few moments of reflection to recall the new sub Bashar's name, Quemo. The promotion would have to be reaffirmed. He lodged a mental reminder to do this personally. End quote. I know that it was probably him tapping his prescience a little bit and like tapping his powers. 
but I do like to imagine just him in his chamber going, Oh God, uh, what was, uh, it's like a quinoa. Is her name Carly? Oh, Kiandra. No, 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 no. Katara. Quiche. No, that's a delicious meal. Quiche. Probably quiche. It's probably quiche. No, 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 no. That's, yeah. Yeah. God. He's just going through all the K names in his memory, trying to figure out Quamo. Yeah. yeah, that's also my headcanon. I want the very, like, irreverent adaptation of this book. <laughs> it's him, like, farting, being shot by lasers, and just like, oh, my God, I'm so embarrassed. I don't know yeah. the fucking name. Oh, yeah. this is bad. <laughs> HBO, give us that blank check. So to wrap up this first takeaway about Leto's emotions and his emotional outbursts, I did want to zoom out and look at the big picture because the realization I had reading these chapters is that Leto has been acting more human in these past couple of chapters than perhaps he has the entire book so far, right? Very true. Yeah, great point. Like yeah. Queen Nori has reignited this lost humanity in him that probably faded away thousands of years ago. And yeah. he's now like doing regular emotional human things. Yeah. Things that like you and I can even empathize with and un- understand. Right. We all went through puberty. We all had the hormones firing. We've all hopefully fallen deeply and madly in love to the point where we would throw ourselves into battle. Totally. And I don't know about all of you, but like when I am deeply and madly in love, I am handing out promotions <laughs> like candy on Halloween, folks. <laughs> yeah. And I couldn't tell you the name of the last person I promoted. Now, I think the grand irony in all of this, right? Oh, wow. Leto is acting so human now. How cool is that? The grander irony of this is that this is exactly what Ix wants because love is the weapon that they are using against the God Emperor. And we know if Leto is defeated, killed, overthrown, whatever, prematurely, that's it for the golden path. And that's it for humanity. We're fucked. And so it's such a bittersweet twist that Leto acting more human and Leto getting to fall in love and to experience true love is dangerous to humanity. And it's actually his inhumanity that can save it. He himself admits that I need to keep these emotional lovey-dovey outbursts in check because it puts me in danger and it puts the golden path in danger. And so I find that so bittersweet and I find that so interesting. And it's another layer of the tragedy of Leto Atreides that he has to even keep this like unabashed love in check that he's feeling for perhaps the first time in his long life. Yeah. You know, we talked about how it was after Ganima's passing that his godhood began mm-hmm. where he like spoke from the jar and convinced everybody through really excellent ventriloquism Yeah, that he was, in fact, the supreme deity all along. <laughs> but I think you're spot on in the evaluation that like this is him returning to humanity and this is also kind of like a signaling of a potential end to things because he didn't fully launch his godhood and the full true form of his rule and I am the supreme deity and this is how we're going to do things until... Ganema, who we've talked about a lot, was kind of his anchor and his soul and his humanity. Yeah. When she passed, he's like, all right, it's God mode time. 
Right. And it's a fascinating combination of moments. And I think the first time I read this book, I kind of missed out on that whole gradient of like, yes. we've seen him in Same. such a 4D, 5D chess manipulator so often to see him at the beck and call of his own emotional whims is like, who the fuck is this? Right. Like right. what interesting character development Yeah, where a very inhuman kind of mouthpiece for philosophical and like political ideas yeah. is now discovering love and human emotion. Right. It's just, it's very cool. It's right. very, very cool. Ring, ring, ring. Old Leto can't come to the phone right now because old Leto's dead and new Leto's in love, baby. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. That was our first takeaway. Let's dive into our second takeaway because this is a meaty one as well. Earlier, we left off in our chapter summaries at the point where Hui and Leto get onto the topic of sainthood and Siona's future. And we intentionally yes. waited to get into that here in the takeaways because it's very dense. There's a lot to break apart here. So let's get into it now. Indeed. Leto begins by claiming that Hui has the makings of a saint. And that this makes her dangerous. Quote, people have to be prepared for saints, he said. Otherwise, they simply become followers, supplicants, beggars, and weakened sycophants forever in the shadow of the saint. End quote. Oh, so good. Damn. Those are some good bars as well. Good bars. Yeah, he's spitting. Now, it's also like, what a way to describe what happened to like Stilgar. Mm. and the characters in the Beautiful. first book yeah Absolutely. as they met paul you know they meet their son al-gaib they were not prepared for saints they were not prepared for him so they became followers supplicants beggars weakened sycophants absolutely and leto's just giving it a name he's calling it out yes he, he is and i mean that's a hell of a warning against charismatic leaders right yeah huge theme in all of frank's books and we has some follow-up questions, of course, because she's like, what? Why are we talking about sainthood now? Yeah. She asks Leto whether or not there will be saints after he is gone in the future that he is creating for humanity, to which he replies, quote, that's the purpose of my golden path, end quote. And he doesn't elaborate more on that. But based on what we know, the answer is presumably that no, there will no longer be saints or charismatic leaders or tyrants once humanity has learned Leto's lesson. That is the whole point of his golden path, the whole point of his tyranny and of his oppression, to warn humanity against such dangers. Yes, or, and the way that I took it was, there may be people who assert themselves as saints, and there may be people who are charismatic and who do accrue some following because that is the natural like flow of things. Mm -hmm. But humanity, capital H humanity, will never be threatened by that happening mm -hmm. in the way that they would have been if he hadn't done everything he's done. Right. Like right. he has removed the claws from the idea of sainthood and charismatic leaders so they can no longer jeopardize humanity. Yeah, And absolutely. So even if there are saints, it's... Not in the way that is actually like existentially dangerous for humanity. Totally. Now, the conversation does turn towards Siona. <laughs> mm -hmm. And he is like, so, okay, wait, Siona, she comes up a lot. Moneo's daughter, what's her purpose? Why was she bred? Like, what's going on? And Leto answers directly. 
again, this is kind of a candor that really only Hui gets yes. in, in a lot of this. It says, quote, Siona was bred to rule. Oh. There is danger in such breeding. When you rule, you gain knowledge of power. This can lead into impetuous irresponsibility, into painful excesses, and that can lead to the terrible destroyer, wild hedonism, end quote. Okay, Frank. Wild hedonism is going to be my son's name. <laughs> it's a great, this is the terrible destroyer. <laughs> Same from wild hedonism. Uh-huh. No, it's a really incredible revelation. The idea yeah. that Siona was bred to rule also because like she is sort of the leader of the whole rebel thing. But I don't yeah. get the sense that that's because she's Moneo's daughter, right? Like she didn't nepotism her way to being a rebel leader. That's not really how rebellions work. Definitely. So the fact that she is, is sort of maybe a byproduct of what he's talking about. Like she has the qualities of someone who says, we're going to get shit done. And people naturally go, yeah, you say the word. Sounds like you know what you're doing. Let's do it. Yeah. She kind of sure. gravitates people toward her. Yeah. Think of that meeting at her own where Topri's betrayal was revealed. Everyone in the room was looking towards Siona. Whether or not she is the official leader of this rebellion, she certainly is in a leadership role. And knows how to win the hearts and minds yeah. of her people. And when Kobat, the like full-on adult human yeah. <laughs> Ixian ambassador, professional, you know, he's like staring her down. She's like, what? Like they read in that scene as equals. Yes. Which is. Yeah. She's like bossing them around. Take yeah. these journals. Translate them for me. <laughs> yeah. Get me an iced coffee. Come on. Quick. <laughs> he's, like, he's like, yes, ma'am. Wait, what the fuck am I doing? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, truly, bread to rule. And we've seen examples of that, but Leto says it outright here, lays it out yeah. for us very clearly. It's also interesting because we hear all the time about the danger of charismatic leaders, but it's interesting for him to talk about the danger of leadership as experiencing power and then the risks that that poses to the normal yeah. psyche. Once you get a taste of power. Yeah, like power corrupts or... Power attracts the already like the corruptible, corruptible, like the corrupted yeah. or the corruptible. So yeah. it's like chicken and the egg with like, where's the cause and effect there? He's kind of implying here or saying here that when you have knowledge of what that power is, it can lead to ruin, yeah. basically. Yeah, that's a great point. And with the idea of Siona ruling, Hui asks the kind of natural follow-up question. Because mm-hmm. here's the God Emperor ruling the universe Hui is like so she's gonna replace you like is she gonna be the new god empress like what's happening what's what does that mean yeah (laughs) and the answer to that is complicated and still a little bit unknown because it's clear that siona isn't really ready for much at this time like she has learning to do she's got a lot to learn and she has to learn quite a bit of that outside of direct intervention from leto yeah. Or even we. Right. Or anybody. Again, it's sort of Leto acknowledging I should not have fought in front of my fish speakers because it makes them dependent on me. Siona has to learn certain lessons on her own, and then we'll have a better sense of what's going to happen. Yeah, completely. And in fact, he outright bans Hui from trying to convince Siona of anything, right? In particular, right. of changing her mind about the God Emperor. We know Siona fucking hates Leto. <laughs> yeah. Leto is like primary enemy number one in Siona's mind. And Hui, of course, loves Leto. And she's like, wait, let me talk to her. Let me talk to her. Quote, 
Never attempt to reason with people who know they are right. End quote. That is what Leto tells her. You cannot convince Siona she is wrong because she believes wholeheartedly that she is right. I love that. And when Hui protests, Hui's like, no, no, I'm pretty persuasive. I'll do it. I'll talk to her. He pulls a Uno reverse card on her. And he's like, wait a second, Hui. What if someone told you and tried to convince you that I was the greatest blight on humanity? What would you say? And Hui's kind of like, well, I would. Oh, you know, like the light bulb moment <laughs> yeah, goes yeah, on yeah. for her. And she realizes that belief is one of the hardest things to convince someone they are wrong about. Again, even thinking about like Duncan and going, well, then I don't know what I believe. And Leto's like, ah, ah. you got to wisdom. You yeah. got to the right thing. Being kind of an asshole about it. But still, yeah, it's like you can't fill a cup that's already full. Exactly. And that idea of like trying to reason with people who know that they are right. Right. Even when they're probably wrong. It's like, oh, that's very yeah. poignant, especially yeah. these fucking days. I was going to say, I think we've all <laughs> experienced that circa 2016 to now. Yeah. Now, this is actually the reason why Leto's lesson for humanity has to be so harsh, right? I myself, in conversations on this podcast, have questioned, does Leto have to be such an asshole? Does he have to be so oppressive? Does he need to be such a tyrant? Is there not a nicer way he can teach humanity this lesson? Here is perhaps a justification for why he has to go to such extremes. Because uprooting these entrenched convictions, when people know they are right, even though they are wrong, changing that and uprooting that and even uprooting the systems that are built around these beliefs that this is right and this is wrong takes a long time. These incremental changes at a core level. What Leto is trying to do with humanity isn't going to happen overnight. It's not going to happen in one lifetime. It is going to take him these thousands of years and these lessons are going to take a lot of bloodshed and violence and oppression, et cetera, et cetera. And at the end of the day, Leto knows, or at least is hopeful, that he will ultimately succeed. Quote, no reasoning creature will ever again be able to deny the Leto experience, he said. <laughs> and I would save humankind, even from itself. End quote. <laughs> That's what I say at the end of parties. I'm like, no reasoning creature will ever... <laughs> Again, be able to deny the Leo experience. <laughs> Bye. And then I leave and I say Woo. it every time. And I don't get invited to a lot of parties anymore. Yeah. So yeah. I think it's working. I've saved party kind. From right. Being, but here's the know. thing. No one denies that experience. <laughs> no one can. <laughs> no one will be able to. No one is able to. That's true. <laughs> Hearing Leto talk about himself in third person is so stupid. Yeah. Well, To wrap up this takeaway, it is clear that Siona is going to play a very critical role in humanity's future. Yeah, definitely. Maybe as a ruler, in what regard, we're not sure, but we will see. And exactly the shape of that role, it appears, isn't even clear to Leto, which also is interesting, what he is and is not looking at. Mm -hmm. But he also knows that he still has a few lessons to teach humanity and Siona before he's ready to like pass that baton. Right. Before totally. whatever that kind of next stage is kicks off. He's like, I still have a couple of things yeah, on the agenda. There's work to be done. There's the curriculum. We're not yet at midterms. <laughs> and 
it's interesting to see how much kind of free reign he's giving to Siona, how much independence he's giving and how much he's kind of leaving up to her own devices. Right. As she kind of follows her own path. Right? Mm-hmm. Quote, for now she is only a rebel. As to sainthood, we will let her decide. Perhaps she will only do what she was bred to do. End quote. So maybe she won't accept sainthood. Maybe she yeah. won't go down that route. Maybe she'll just be a ruler. A good old fashioned, I'm one of you, born and raised in your town, in your neighborhood. <laughs> you know me. I know you. I know, I know your you. mother. You say hello to your mother for me. Is she doing good? That's, you know, that's how she sounds. <laughs> it's like, stop talking about my mother. What the fuck? <laughs> how well She's, do you know her, huh? Siona knows her very well. <laughs> and this is also in line with Leto wanting to have kind of independence and breeding this independence. Right. If he too tightly controlled Siona and her upbringing and her breeding and her teaching, she would be no different from Nayla, right? He would just right. have like an automaton that just says he yes lord all the time. Right. He needs to cultivate that independence in her and let her choose her own path and learn her own lessons. To a certain extent, you know, ultimately Leto is pulling some strings, but it seems to me that he's pulling very few strings with Siona and just letting that take its course. And ultimately, the way I sort of think about it is that Siona, unlike perhaps others like Nayla or even the Duncans or even Moneo, Siona seems like a very calculated roll of the die for Leto. Yes. Yeah. And that's interesting because that means that. Perhaps even she has some surprises in store for the nearly all-seeing God Emperor. You know, he's rolling the die. He does not know what face it will land on. Hopefully not a critical failure. (laughs) So those are our two takeaways today. Leto's emotional journey in these chapters today and this conversation about Siona and sainthood and the future of humanity and what role she will play in it. The puzzle pieces of this book are slowly starting to come together for us. So next up, we have our spice morsels. But before we chop down, they do need a couple more minutes in the oven slash microwave (laughs) slash slow cooker. I have mine in the panini press. (laughs) In the panini press. Regardless of where you have the morsels, they need another minute. So let's take a quick break. Don't go anywhere, folks. We will be right back. Welcome back, everybody. Let's tuck into some spice morsels. Yes. And our first spice morsel of today is Shaitan. We are eating Satan, the <laughs> emperor of Gehenna. Mm-hmm. So in today's reading, Leto tells we that when he is gone, they will call him Shaitan, the emperor of Gehenna. And some folks may already know what that means. But for those of you who don't, Here's a quick breakdown. Mm-hmm. Now, Shaitan is defined as an unbelieving class of jinn in Islamic myths, ones who are followers of the devil. Now, the Britannica gives us a bit more information about them. Quote, folklore describes them as exceptionally ugly creatures. <laughs> same. Either male <laughs> or female, capable of assuming human form. Hey, same. Though their feet always remain hooves. Not same. They eat excrement and use disease as their weapon. Same or? No, not same. Yeah, nope, not same nope, on that okay. one. 
<laughs> and are said to exist <laughs> on the borderline between light and darkness. <laughs> End quote. <laughs> You're being a little choosy with what what salmon isn't, but okay. Listen, cherry picking is a common quality of Shaitan. Indeed, indeed. I will say anecdotally, I wanted to interject because sure. this definition of Shaitan is actually new to me as well because mm. I grew up with Muslim parents, they would actually use the word shaitan or shaitan in reference to the devil itself. So I don't know where that distinction falls. Perhaps it's a word that can be used interchangeably, or maybe the definition varies a little bit from sure. culture to culture. Yeah. So it's either the jinn, but some of our listeners might know the word shaitan as literally a word for the devil. Yeah. We also talked about it because it's one of the Dune major arcana in the Dune tarot. Mm-hmm. Is Shaitan. Yeah. So it's come up before and I'm sure we'll hear it again. <laughs> Indeed. And then the next kind of piece of this is Gehenna, which is another word for hell in Jewish and Christian faiths. Basically a place where damned souls are doomed for eternity. Britannica gives us a bit more information about the origin of the word. Quote, Gehenna originally was a valley west and south of Jerusalem, where children were burned as sacrifices to the Ammonite god Moloch. Gehenna later was made a garbage center to discourage a reintroduction of such sacrifices. End quote. Hmm. So knowing this connection to a burning godless place yeah. that's filthy and easy to say, oh, that place is the worst, right. makes a certain sense. True. I will say I've heard some disputes of that origin, but that's what Britannica says. So if you have issues with that, what we just said, <laughs> take it up with Britannica. Get angry <laughs> right. at them. Send your and sources. And then email us your sources. Yeah, yeah. I want to read more about it. I do follow some historians and I want to read more about it. So yes, in short, Leto recognizes that he will be seen as a devil mm. or as a excrement eating <laughs> hoof footed human thing which he took the worst he's not human shaped anymore right, so right. come on you know check your vocabulary all right <laughs> and a tyrant after he's gone at least until his journals are discovered right there is that resurrection of the reason or whatever that's right all right morsel number two today is janice in his conversation with hui leto makes reference to Janus, the god with two faces. So once again, folks, let's crack open our history books and learn a little bit more about Janus. Janus is a god from <laughs> Roman religion who embodies the spirit of doorways and archways. Hmm. And in fact, in Rome, there were many Janai, the plural of Janus, which were these ceremonial gateways built throughout the city. And there was quite a bit of superstition around how exactly to walk through these gateways or when to leave them open or closed. One example I found was how the most famous Janus in Rome, which was called the Janus Geminus, mm. it was this shrine to the god Janus, its doors were left open during times of war, when Rome mm. was at war, and it was left closed during times of peace. And I think the joke goes that it was like never left closed, basically. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So circling back to the reading today, why does Leto bring up Janus at all? Why mention it? Well, in that moment, he's talking to Hui, 
about looking forward and backward, and he's also talking to her about beginnings and endings. And the Encyclopedia Britannica says that many scholars actually think that Janus is the god of beginnings. Quote, the beginning of the day, month, and year, both calendrical and agricultural, were sacred to him. The month of January is named for him. End Whoa, quote. Oh, cool. Yeah, fun little fact. The god Janus is why we have January. Named after the soccer mom Janus. <laughs> <laughs> so thinking of it through this lens, seeing Janus as the god of not only gateways and doorways, but of beginnings, we start to understand why Leto would bring him up. In many ways, Leto is Janus. He himself even says this to Hui. We know that Leto is capable of looking both into the past and into the future simultaneously, a god with two faces, and that he marks the end of one era of humanity, the end of one cycle, and the beginning of another. So thinking of it through the lens of beginnings and endings, that also fits nicely into the history of the god Janus in Roman religion. Mm. So there you go, a little history 101. Dang, that's super cool. Yeah. That's fun. Now I know the origin of January. That was the most fun fact for this that I learned. Yeah, pretty good. Yeah. I know we get a lot of stuff from like Norwegian and we get a lot of, eh, it's interesting. That's cool. Yeah. And if your name is Janice, now you know the origin of your name. Probably, right? <laughs> Probably. Well, that's our episode. Yes. So we've got some reading to assign to you. You thought you Indeed. were done? What a weird thought. The book's not over. <laughs> so up next, make sure you've read chapters 31 and 32. Or if you've got a different book than us, through the chapter that ends on the sentence, quote, the oldest man in our universe and the youngest, both in one flesh, Ooh. end quote. Damn. Now you think that he's talking about one person, right? but it's actually just skin and then it's just wrapped over this really old guy and this really young guy, this little baby. Yeah, it's really gross. <laughs> sort of a generational pinata is what that's called. Gotcha. Okay, cool. When your mind starts to wander in that direction, that definitely means we got to wrap up this episode. <laughs> what? You don't think about wrapping people in skin? That's uh, weird. You're the weird one. Nope, nope, nope. All right. Well, before we let you go with that image in your mind... Let us also remind you of a couple of ways to support this show and to keep in touch with us. And the best way, mm. I think, mm -hmm. is to become a patron over at patreon.com slash gamjabar. And in exchange of your 6,000 solari or <laughs> $5, you get cool benefits like ad-free episodes, weekly blooper clips. Oops, I didn't mean to say that. Let's make sure the patrons hear it and no one else. That's right. And an invite to our Discord server. Highly exclusive, sought after by all, but only some people are allowed in. That's right. That could That's be you. Right. That could be you. You could be allowed in, allowed through the gateway of our Discord server, <gasps> Janice. Janice. <laughs> She's a homeowners association <laughs> board member. <laughs> now, another great way to support us is to get yourself some Dune themed merch mm. from our merch store at kamjabarshop.com we've got art and apparel and a mug and a tote bag and so much more folks check out that storefront 
get yourself something nice yeah and support the show countrybarshop.com wow all that in one action that's right nice finally we love to hear from you so email us thoughts comments concerns questions favorite roman gods gomjabarpodcast at gmail.com favorite etymological history thing if you know the crazy etymological history of a word tell us gomjabarpodcast at (laughs) gmail.com send us your thoughts send us all of that stuff we love to hear it we love to hear from you and also how many breadsticks from olive garden you could smash in (laughs) one sitting again i think it's like 14 15 we got an email recently that just had the number 16 written in it and i was like what the fuck (laughs) does this mean and then i remembered the breadstick thing we should ask another question and say just send a number but of a like a much different question (laughs) and then people like 16 and we're like wow you're fucked up dude that's crazy Friends, there is no real ending. It's just the place where you stop the recording. But this podcast is always one step beyond logic. So help spread the word of Moadib and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And be sure to check out the other shows on the Lord Party Podcast Network on loreparty.com. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at lore underscore party. We're also on TikTok at Gomjabar Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. And remember... Whoever controls the podcast controls the universe. We'll see you on the